Because if she was happy, where does the rage come from? If she's happy, what motivation does she have to, to do anything? She's at peace. If she, once she's at peace, this series is over. This is Taylor Stevens. I am the New York Times bestselling author of the Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers. And I'm here today with my good friend Steve Campbell on our He Says Taylor Stevens Show podcast. And I say <laughs> it's unnamed because that just sounds so pretentious to name it after me. And today we're going to be talking about uh, characters inside books and some uh, recurring themes that seem to show up in thrillers. And I think that's what's on our agenda. Did I get it right? You nailed it. And another right. another recurring theme that we have going right now, and we do this to encourage listeners to write reviews on iTunes because it's really important to the show. Uh, so uh, we had a couple reviews on iTunes that I want to... to highlight. One was from uh, John L. Monk, who is an author himself. Uh, John says, love hearing authors talking about their writing, their struggles, and hearing their insights. Taylor Stevens is a fascinating author. That word just keeps coming up with you. Fascinating. Well, um, thank Taylor, you. It, we should maybe you should put that in in on your website. Taylor Stevens is a fascinating author. Anyway, <laughs> Taylor Stevens is a fascinating author with a shocking past. And what makes it fascinating is that it didn't stop her. She's a wildly successful author. So thank you, John, for that. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it so much. And the second is from Jane. Jane says, my favorite things about this author are, of course, the Monroe character. And second is the fact that I actually get personal responses to my emails. I also love reading the regular emails I subscribe to. The amount of information and life tips included in these emails is huge. Sometimes I feel like I'm cheating somehow, as most people would charge a fee for the information she's giving away for free. I admire her so much and am and am excited to have found this podcast. Thank you, Taylor, and thank you, Taylor's friend. So I got to mention, <laughs> yay! And thank you, Taylor's friend, for talking her into this genius idea and for making it happen. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane. I don't know if the smile in my voice is coming through or not, but it's like ear to ear right now. Thank you. We love these reviews, and they are really super important. So if if you have the capability of leaving a review on iTunes, we would appreciate it, and we'd be more than happy to give you a shout-out later on. Yes, So absolutely. on to today's show. What What is yes. this all about? I, I'm, I'm a little confused by this episode, so tell us what we're talking about. <laughs> and normally you're the one who's saying, this is today's topic, and mm -hmm. this is my topic. You know, Monroe is a very dangerous, very damaged, uh, angry, distant character, and she has some traumatic aspects in her past. And, you know, I see readers write me, and they tell me, you know, I just want Monroe to be happy. Can't she just be happy? And then I've also seen in um, in reviews of, of people who are really not enamored with this character that they've just had enough of these damaged heroines. And um, I believe somebody said, why can't she just let it all go and um, move on from the baggage and just go back to being the Jason Bourne of Africa or something along those lines. <laughs> and, um, and this fascinates me, really, because I think it's a really, really good study 
in characters. It's a study, it's a good study in the characters that we read on the page, and it's a good study in how readers interact with those characters. And so I wanted to to talk a little bit about that today. Because, you know, when you're when you're an author and you're you're building these characters and writing the scenes and the stories that they're in, one thing that's always in the back of your mind, or at least it should be, is um, authenticity. You, nothing's worse, hardly, than being complained about for having cardboard characters. So you want to create characters that feel real and they feel alive. The, the aspect of Monroe, where people say, well, you know, they hope that one day she'll just get over it. And I'm like, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> and the reason for that is, um, huh, this is just, this is my opinion, okay? I'm not saying that I'm 100% right. This is just the way that I see it, is that generally speaking, happy, content people who ha- are full of love and have everything good going in their lives don't feel the need to go traipsing across the world and getting themselves in dangerous situations to save other people or get caught up in knife fights or go out and kick bad guy booty. They're happy sitting on the couch at home with the people that they love or going out and um, swing dancing. And there's no thriller in that at all. You can have a, a thriller where some guy who's, you know, goes out swing dancing has his wife kidnapped and he's got to figure out how to save her. And then the question comes, well, where did he get those skills from? And, you know, if, if he's never had any real world experience putting those skills to use, how is he going to fare against somebody who does have that real world experience? So, is he an interesting enough character to carry a series then? Or does he become interesting through the story of rescuing his wife? So when you're, when you're building a, a story that is, starts in the middle of the violence or where pretty soon to the, the beginning of the violence, you as an author, you've already kind of have to have your character semi-sorted out, at least have an idea of what, what's going on. And for that character to to be able to handle themselves in whatever situation they're thrown in, they've got to have something that makes it real that they could do what they're doing. And generally speaking, really happy people just aren't in those situations. (laughs) So that's why we often see um, in thrillers characters with traumatic pasts or alcoholic cops or people who've been fired from their jobs or, you know, there's a lot of cliches and a lot of stereotypes and, and themes that get repeated over and over. And, but there's a reason for that. And it's called realism. And and there are only so many ways that authors can get readers to care about a character, especially a new character. There has to be a reason why we want her to accomplish these goals and to overcome these issues, and and I think you're I think you're completely right. I, I, I've been thinking about this as you've been talking, and as you know, I I read a lot. I read a lot of thrillers. I read a lot of mysteries and suspense novels, and I I differentiate between mysteries and suspense and thrillers. It, with suspense and thrillers, the protagonists that have long term success 
always have something, seemingly always have something that, that's up in their background that is a continual source of agitation that keeps the story moving. And I think it's a little bit different in mysteries. I completely agree with what you're saying with regard to thrillers. So I'm, I'm sure you're happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting you to, to, to agree with me on this. Um, and I'm sure that there's very solid arguments out there for why I'm wrong. And I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that in, in the case of Vanessa Michael Monroe, for all the readers who just want her to be happy, and I, and I do this in um, events, I look at them and I say, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. Because if she was happy, where does the rage come from? If she's happy... What motivation does she have to, to, to do anything? She's at peace. If she, once she's at peace, this series is over. In the last episode, you talked about the catch and how, for some people, it was among their least favorite of the series. And, and for me, it was among my most favorite of the series just because what she did make, made perfect sense f- to me. It it fit within what I expected of her as a character. And without the wounds and the drama and the internal monologue and all the things that drive her, then then without that, it then it made no sense. But with that, that's what drives her to do everything. And that's that's what keeps the series alive and that's what makes her interesting. Yes. yes. And and I've told readers as I I've, that have asked me in person that they're like, please don't kill her. And I'm like, I don't have to. All I have to do is make her happy, <laughs> and then and then it's over, and everybody got what they everybody got what they wanted, and and, and we're all good. Taylor, when we started into this, you mentioned that whoever whoever'd written that had had asked or had hoped that Taylor could get back to being or or become the Jason Bourne of Africa, uh, but Jason Bourne is not a normal character himself. I know that really surprised me because like. If if you, I mean, it's been a long time since I've read the Jason Bourne books, but this Michael Monroe is is, is like birthed after Jason Bourne because that it was when in reading Robert Lillum's Jason Bourne stories that I had this you know epiphany that I'm going to write a book, and I was really really drawn to his the torment in that character where he in his head he goes through hell because he he you know he's separated from the the person he was in in while he was a killer and. And then trying to be be a normal person, and he's afraid of himself and and of the damage he can do, and so he's probably one of the most conflicted characters and tormented characters that I've read. Um, granted, I haven't read a lot in thrillers. Without Jason Bourne's torment, we would have had no Jason Bourne series. So it, it's kind of it. It just was like took me by surprise that somebody would say, "Well, why can't she get back to being the the Jason Bourne of Africa?" and lose this baggage and just be over it already. Well, Jason Bourne was never over it. The whole reason we were able to keep having the Robert Ludlum stories of Jason Bourne was because the baggage kept coming back to him. Um, Now, I haven't read all the Jason Bourne stories that were written after Ludlum passed away, but the, the main ones, the first three, that's really how it was, and that's what drove those stories. Another... Extremely popular thriller characters, Jack Reacher. And it doesn't get any more popular than that. <laughs> right, right. Uh, okay, well, extremely squared. <laughs> um, but Reacher, while he doesn't seem to be a tormented character, he is, there's something in his background that drives him to take on these challenges that normal people wouldn't take on. 
I think Reacher has a little bit of, um, he's, he's quite indifferent to a lot of things. Like he, first of all, he knows he can take care of himself. So he's not really worried about, them. he's very, very confident in his own set of skills, which Vanessa Michael Monroe is as well, which is why she'll put herself at risk because she's just not freaking scared of what mm-hmm. people can do to her. Um, and the difference I think between those two characters is that Jack Reacher really doesn't care about hurting people. And Monroe cares immensely because she likes it and she knows she likes it. And she feels that that makes her an evil person. She, she, she has a hard time differentiating herself who, um, and the kills that she's done, which have always been in pretty much always been in defense of herself or in defense of another, um, with the serial killers that, um, society despises. And she talks about that actually in the innocent. She's like, you know, superheroes are just glorified serial killers. (laughs) All right, I mentioned mysteries earlier, and, and mysteries c- can a- occasionally get lumped into this kind of genre, and in a typical mystery, there's a private investigator. I know you don't read a lot of P.I. novels, but uh, Spencer is one that comes to mind. Spencer is not a conflicted guy. There's, there's not a lot of terrible stuff in his background, but he's just solving problems for other people every book because that's his job. And those are not high-octane thrillers. There are moments of action. uh, There are moments of humor. And there's a mystery to be solved, essentially. And that's the purpose of the book. And that's completely different from the kinds of things that you write or the Jason Bourne novels, where it's just building momentum all the way through. Right. And I think also it's important to, to say, like, I'm not trying to say that for a character to be interesting or for a thriller to be, you know, driven, that the character has to be tormented. Not at all. Only that if it's the type of character that does these types of things, then the past that they come from has to make sense for them to have had those skills. Like, why do they have these insane martial arts skills? Why mm-hmm. do they have these reactions and that has to make sense and usually those types of things come from some sort of trauma or um or bad thing in their in their background but but mysteries you know mysteries are a different animal because when you have a pi or um you know there's even you know what they call cozy cozies mystery cozies Mm -hmm. where there's just some little old lady by the ocean Solving cats, the two cats, <laughs> we laugh. Um, sorry, it's a private joke. It's not that private because it was on Facebook. So should, should, I, should, I, should I explain for anybody? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I I saw a review. I do I do read some reviews. I I try and I read them because when books are first coming out, because I'm trying to get a feel for how a book might find its audience. Once it's been out for a while, I just don't bother anymore. But this one person, I, I just pulled it up here. They said. They had never read a Monroe stories before, and they had got it from the, I believe, from the Amazon Vine program, which is basically people can just, um, you know, they, they just pick the, the books or the products that they want to review, and then they get them, and then that's the requirement is that they have to review them. So she's, I think it's a she. She says, phew, this book was fast-paced with really tough characters, none of whom I liked, none of whom I connected with. To be honest, I thought that this book was going to be about a sweet crime-fighting woman with a cat or two busy solving (laughs) mysteries in a town by the sea, lol. (laughs) This book is quite the opposite. Very hardcore, very intense, and quite a thriller. Not the book I was expecting, but still engaging and interesting. And I thought that was so funny. 
just, I, I don't know why I thought it was funny. I just thought it was so hilarious. So that's where that was coming from. And you shared that on your Facebook page and uh, generated a few comments. Just a few, but it, <laughs> it was, it was quite amusing. But um, so yeah, mysteries fall into all categories. It's really the thrillers, the, the high octane thrillers. And, and there's a lot of confusion even from people like, what's the difference between a mystery and a thriller? And uh, what's the difference between, and there's so many different types of mysteries and so many different types of thrillers. And mysteries, I heard it described really well. Mysteries are whodunit and thrillers are how do I get out of this? <laughs> that is good. <laughs> That's a really easy way to remember. And suspense is just sort of a, a lower a lower octane version of a thriller or a mystery can go either way. We interrupt this regularly scheduled podcast for a quick announcement. This interview was recorded before Taylor left for Thriller Fest in New York, but then we had to push it back by a week. Uh, so this next bit talks about something that will have already taken place by the time you hear it, but it was interesting enough that I think we'll use this as... Something else we'll talk about in a future episode. So that's it. The events you hear about in New York will have already taken place by the time you hear this, but I think it's interesting, so we left it in. Now, back to the regularly scheduled podcast. All right, speaking of mysteries, yeah. you are going to be at the Mysterious Bookshop in New York at 5 o'clock. Tell us about that. Well, it's just a way for me to hang with anybody in the area who wants to come hang out with me. Um, I may end up being there alone. And just staring at my books, I don't know. Um, but I try and do this. Uh, it's not a formal event, but I'm I'm in town for Thriller Fest, and so I wanted to find a way that people could just chill and hang out with me. And that seemed to be a really good venue to do it, since they had some books for me to sign. So five o'clock, and I'll stay there until either nobody shows up, and I go, "Well, this is boring," <laughs> or uh, the store closes, and you know, it just it just depends, and we'll we'll play by ear. And if you're the only person there to see me, well, we're just gonna sit and have fun. Now that would be fun. See, I would like to come up there and be the only person, so we could just sit and talk about Monroe for two hours. But you want to know what's the most? Um, I don't know. I find this fascinating about myself. Because I'm so fascinating. <laughs> I, uh, That's what they say. <laughs> I can get up in front of hundreds of people and talk, and I don't even break a sweat. But when I'm in those really small groups of people, people who've deliberately come there just to see me, I am scared out of my mind. I feel like if like people have this image in their head of me from reading my books or being on my mailing list. And once they finally meet me in person, they're going to be so disillusioned, so disappointed. And I feel like the, the more I open my mouth and say something, the worse it's going to be. <laughs> and, and so I, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous meeting with my readers on, in those small, intimate little settings. And if, if they'll just ask me questions and talk, then I'm, I'm cool. But when I have to come up with stuff to say, I'm just, oh, my God, I'm a wreck. All right. So if you're in New York and you go and you see Taylor's in there all by yourself, go and get a cat and bring the cat in to make her feel better. <laughs> All right, Taylor, we're, we're, we've reached the end of this episode. What's our call to action? Um, is it reviews this time? <laughs> You're the boss. <laughs> okay, call to action this time is if you've read The Mask, please review it. 
you don't have to do a lot of um, words, you know, a couple sentences. I like this book. Can't wait till the next one. That's enough. Um, give me a lot of stars if you're willing to. I mean, I, I'm not going to pander here, but, you know, I appreciate them. Um, be honest. You know, if you if you think the book sucked, well, you go ahead and review it that way. Just be gentle, please. <laughs> and. Let me take a minute and ex- explain a little bit about the amazing world of the Amazon algorithm, which no one understands. But it's not but, just Amazon. It's, it's all of these sites work the same way. Yes. And, and a big oh, feeding mechanism for the algorithm is reviews. And quantity, it, how many and how fast. Yes, exactly. And velocity. You're right. So it's, it really doesn't make that much difference, uh, the number of stars. Of course, if you like the book, give it a good review. But it is the number of reviews that come in that drive the algorithm. And then it, the more reviews, the more likely people are going to see that little square cover of the mask at the bottom of things they're looking at on uh, at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or anywhere else, and they might look at it and say, hey, that looks interesting. I'm going to try this. So that's yeah. that's why we're encouraging people to write reviews. It's incredibly important. Yeah, because like in the old days, there were a lot of different ways for authors to get exposure. And the mar- right now, there's just so much noise and so much clutter that you just get buried. So unless you're in the top 100 rankings of Amazon, people just don't even know that you exist. And I can't, I can't, oh, so hardly a day goes by that I get an email from somebody that says, I can't believe I just discovered your books. I'd never heard of you. And so a lot, I think a lot of my readers assume that because, you know, I'm a New York Times bestselling author, blah, 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 that I'm set, that everybody knows that I exist. But no, it's really not like that. Nobody's heard of me except for you. Um, thank you for reading my books. Um, and listening. And listening, yes. So uh, it's really all about discoverability. And so anything that can help us get other readers to discover these books, that's why we ask for these reviews. And it's not just to make me feel good, although they do make me feel good when they're nice. <laughs> and it makes her feel good when I, especially the iTunes reviews, when yeah, I read them I out at the beginning. Though. You know, we, sh- we should read some of the, the book reviews as well, but I'm afraid that that would take too long and you'd just faint from pleasure. That's never happened yet, but, you know, we can try. (laughs) All right. We will be back next Tuesday. So thanks so much for listening. Thank you. If you're an iTunes listener, please subscribe. It'll automatically show up on your phone or however you get your podcast. If you subscribe, they'll automatically show up. Makes it just that easy. And we'll talk again next week. Thanks. See you next week.